Hello and welcome to Book Ward. I'm Megan. And I'm Denise. And today we have a spooky book for you. <laughs> it's even funnier the second time. <laughs> it's Halloween, y'all. Halloween season. The spooks are here and I'm ready. Yeah. I was celebrating Summerween since like May. <laughs> But now it makes sense for everyone else to also celebrate Halloween, too. I really want to get that 12-foot skeleton that Home Depot sells. My God. (laughs) Karen Kilgariff. (laughs) I saw some guy inflating a giant pumpkin for his child, and I was like, I want that. I wish I had the yard for that giant pumpkin. I'm down. (laughs) Inflatable Halloween and Christmas decorations are the best fucking thing to ever be created. They are so fucking easy. You just plug them in and they blow up and you're like, thank fuck. I don't have to do anything. There's no assembly required. Like, maybe you have to like stake them in the ground, but that's it. I personally keep spider webs around my house for that extra spooky vibe. I just let the spiders do what they want. <laughs> well, before we get to our book, uh, we're going to do a quick uh, what are we reading kind of update. Kind of vibe. And okay. I have two books that I'm reading. I'm used to reading multiple books at a time. And... Um, I'm usually reading, like, how I do it is I usually will have a nonfiction, a book that I read, and then a book that I listen to. But I just, my nonfiction just happens to be the book that I'm listening to as well. So, um, I was really excited for this book. This was a pre-order of mine. Um, It's Agatha Christie, An Elusive Woman, and it is a biography done by one of my favorite biography authors um Lucy Worsley who um Mm. is she has written tons of books about um uh about people she focuses mainly on uh female historical characters she also does like a lot of like history specials on the BBC because I think she actually is like the like national curator That's for awesome. England, like I don't That's know, sick. yeah, like she and I always love her stuff. Um, she's also adorable. I have like a semi crush on her because she's like so cute, like a like little rabbit, like oh, a little. Really? She's so cute. Oh. <laughs> um, but so that came in, and I immediately started listening to it, and I love it because she also always narrates her audiobook. Um, and she really, yes, like, and she's a voice acting queen, she is a voice acting queen. Um, and then I started The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by uh, Sangu Mandana. Mandana, I think I'm so sorry if I butcher that name, I did not check that beforehand. Um, but this was one of my anticipated fall reads. Uh, it's about this witch who has to go and, like, help a, um, uh, there's these three girl witches and, like, orphans who are being, like, taken care of by, like, these four, like, caretakers. Most of them are older, except there's, of course, a hot librarian. Um, 
And she's called as a witch to kind of help these girls with their powers because their powers are kind of getting out of the control on these other people. Like, obviously, they're not magical and they can't help. And it's um it's described as, like, a cozy and witchy hug. And so far, so good. I read, like, 100 chapters last night and I had to force myself to stop. So, um, so far uh, this month, my reading has been... Uh, much more <laughs> productive and enjoyable than it has in a while. Say, what's your other, those are your two books? Those are my said? two books, yeah. Usually I'll Sick. have, sometimes I'll have three because I'll have a nonfiction, um, a mm. fiction, and then a book I listen to. But right now the nonfiction is also the book I'm listening to. Mm. <laughs> I feel like ever since I got into audiobooks, I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'll have an audiobook, an ebook, and a physical book. <laughs> Regardless of genre, I just need to have like three formats oh, yeah. <laughs> in order to keep them straight. Um, I just finished literally this morning. I finished Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Kurian, I believe, which is like, I think it's a thriller. Um, I really enjoyed it. There's this program at a university of students who have been diagnosed as psychopaths. And that's just their diagnosis. They're in this program. They get a free ride, right? And two of the main characters are in that program. But one, she's dealing with her own stuff of um, uh, trigger warning. She was raped when she was younger. And from the get-go, she talks about how she wants to get revenge on the person who raped her who went to this school where the program has also extended an invitation to her. I mean, if that makes and... us a psychopath, I feel like we're all psychopaths. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm not mad at her. <laughs> yeah. And um, at the same time that this is going on, there is talk of a serial killer who the people in the program realize is targeting them targeting the psychopaths. That and sounds really so, interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, I just finished it this morning because I had, like, like 50 pages, and I just wanted to, like, storm right through and <laughs> see what happened. And it was, a, it was a solid ending. So I wanted to mention that one, even though I'm not technically currently reading it. <laughs> I just finished it. But the other two I'm reading is You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. I'm doing the audiobook of that, and it's really, like, it's really cute so far. Like, I love it. She has, like, she's realizing she has a crush on a girl, but she's also running for prom queen, I believe. Mm -hmm. Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, something like that. And so she realizes... Um, all the things that she has to do in order to do that it's like a, it's a YA contemporary it's very like it's very cute a little bit lighthearted, but it does have like those deeper subjects mm -hmm. intertwined in it mm -hmm. and I really like it it's fun so far and the voice actress is also like very solid okay. and then I I just started Velvet Was the Night by Silvia Moreno Garcia but I have I don't even know what it's about. I just know it's about my fa it's from my favorite author, and that's it. So oh, I can't it's even from tell your you favorite what... author, even though every time we suggest yeah. we do a buddy read, you don't take me up on it. <laughs> it's there's always a book of hers on the list, and you never choose it. So that's your no, problem. <laughs> I always suggest it, and you never choose it. 
I think I shut it down for one of the months mm-hmm. because I wasn't feeling, it was a historical fiction, I think, the one you wanted to read, the Dr. Moreau one. And then I put it on the list for October and you didn't want it. You chose, I th- it was either for this no, one or No, I put it on the list for uh, October and you said no. And then you put it on the list for November for next month. And I said no because I thought it would be too much like the Hacienda we both had a role to play. Even though the book that, (laughs) even though the book we are going to read is also just like the Hacienda. (laughs) Honestly. Honestly. Oh, by the way, the book we're talking about today is the Hacienda. (laughs) By Isabel Cañas. It's funny too, because as I read this book, I realized it reminded me, at least the premise reminded me of the death of Jane Lawrence, which I did an episode on for story (laughs) time. And I, like, I cracked up. Like, of course I'm here again. <laughs> but this one had a way better and more understandable You kind of understand everything. Yeah, I mean, I fully understood exactly. what was happening. Um, yeah. Which says 100%. a lot for a thriller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, so that's what I'm currently reading. Do you want to get into the book? Uh, the historical? Yeah, so aspects? we are talking about The Hacienda by... Oh, Isabel Cañas. Thank you. Yes. I, I'm like, I could say it if you want it to sound super white and butchered. I try so hard. I try so hard. <laughs> like, even with my student's name. And I, they just, like, look at me and I'm like, I practice every day and it still is so bad. I will say as someone who has, like, at least my last name is very Latino, it's the effort that counts. I love when people at least try. try. Yes, um, I appreciate that. So, uh, we are going to do a quick background because this book, um, it is set, like, right after the um, overthrow of the Mexican government. And that does have quite a bit to do with what is happening in terms of, like, why the main character ends up where she is. And they're also, um, the society of that time is like also plays a big part in what is happening as well so um just so basically um you know back in the good old days (laughs) good old days good old days for who (laughs) for the white bread people um (laughs) uh so uh, Spain basically came, took over uh, Mexico, did a genocide of its native people, much like how um, England did with um, the U.S. Uh, when they came over. And um, just casual European things. Mm-hmm. You know, just being a European. And... Um, <laughs> And so, for a long time, Mexico was ruled by Spain, and uh, it was through the Viceroy of Spain, um, who was in charge of Mexico, Um, but this started to get, like, super difficult for the Viceroy of Spain, because, like, Mexico was fucking huge. Like, Mexico went up to Colorado and, like, almost up to, I think up to Canada, like, it was all through, like, California and Washington, like, Mexico was huge, 
But um, as we get closer to, I have to start saying stop saying but um because it annoys me when I rec- when I'm like editing too. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I've never noticed. I notice it. So <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm gonna do it so bad. <laughs> I say like a lot, I will say, and I'm trying not to. <laughs> I go total valley girl for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, Mexico was huge, and it was very difficult for the Viceroy to kind of, like, be in charge of all that. And also, Mexico City, like, in Mexico City and around Mexico City, um, that had most of the population of Mexico as well because of all the industry that was happening around there. So there was like a lot of disparity between wealth and class because of all this. And so Mexico had a uh, casta system, which like for us white folk, like it's the caste system, but it's pronounced casta in um, Mexico. And at the top are the peninsulares, which were the people who were born in Spain or Europe. And basically, they were the white folk, and they could have, they had almost all the high positions, like high-ranking positions in the government. And then after them is the criollos, uh, criollos who um, are born to the peninsulares. So they were people who are, they were born in Mexico, but they were born to Europeans. And they also uh, had a lot of uh, power, and they had a lot of the same benefits. They just only could be appointed to, like, the low, lower levels of government. And then you have the Indios and the Mestizos, who were, um, the Indios were the natives. And the majority of them were lower class, but you did have some who, um, they're like a few Aztec nobility, nobility and some other native uh, nobility who were able to uh, get enough wealth and power that they had the same like social standing as the Criollos. Uh, but the majority of them were, you know, lower class, much like what happens in the U.S. Uh, and the Mestizos were the mixed race uh, with one native and one European. And there was no way they could have power basically. Uh, the fourth were the um, mulattoes, uh, who were of European European or African descent, or American African descent, so also mixed race, but they were mixed race with um, the African slaves who had been brought over. Uh, and they had, like, basically no benefits in society. And then they had the negros, which are the descendants of slaves, um, and also slaves, but at this time in our story, they actually didn't have slavery, and they, Mexico, I believe, got rid of slavery, uh, quite earlier than the U.S. did, because, because of the huge, uh, mestizos and mulatos, uh, group, ethnic group, uh, that was a lot of cheap labor, so they actually had just, like, the cheap labor and didn't need, have a, feel a need to have slaves. So they did actually, um, slave ownership was pretty much non-existent by the time this story starts, and it happened for quite a while, which, you know, yay. <laughs> it's always, it's an em- economical decision, always not an, a moral it's one. Always an economical decision. 
And so the Costa system plays a huge role in this story because we see a lot of um, how the color of people's skin is um, how they are viewed. I believe even our main guy, Andres, is, uh, God, is he Mestizo or Mulatto? I can't remember. He's one of those. Uh, I remember him being called that. I want to say Mestizo. I want to say I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I remember seeing the word in there, I, and I remember being like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I remember he was seen as lesser. Yeah. Um, by at least the other priests or pastors. I don't remember. Yeah, I titles. really believe it's, I really want to say he's Mestizo. Um, I, yeah. I'm like 95% sure it was Mestizo. Um, and that will play a big role towards the end of the story. Uh, so you have the Costa system, which was starting to have like a huge disparity, especially since a lot of the Peninsulares and the Criollos have these powers that uh, the majority of the people don't. And that obviously is going to frustrate people. And then you also have uh, Catholicism, which plays a huge role in Mexico and in um, the roles that people play. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition was going on at one point, and then the Mexi uh, Mexico just hopped right on board with that. And um, Mexico got... Mexico was able to convert a lot of their native, um, a lot of their native people to Catholicism. Be and a lot of that was because the natives were allowed to kind of bring their own, like, native Mexican flair to it. Um, there is, uh, the Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, which basically, like, kind of, it replaces, uh, Mary the Virgin Mary, um, in Mexico. And so the Catholic church, because of this was able to get super powerful and they basically had almost as much power in Mexico as the actual Spanish monarchy did. And so you have a lot of these differently, like different scene, like powers that are like fighting against each other to the point that like, Mexico basically had, this is where things get a little, like, crazy and I can't provide too much backstory in that there was a lot of, um, mini civil wars. That, struggles? Struggles, that, yeah, that kind of, like, led to the bigger one, which is how, um, the Spanish monarchy gets overthrown by Napoleon back in Europe. And so people in Mexico are like, okay, well then what are we? Are we our own thing or are we still a colony? Even though like there is no Spanish monarchy anymore. And you have the Peninsulares and the Criollos who are like, no, we are still part of the monarchy. We are still part of that, uh, of Spain, obviously, because they want to keep that power they have. But then everyone else is like, no, like, we should be our own thing. Like, we should be, um, a lot of them actually wanted to be, like, their own monarchy in Mexico run by a Mexican monarch. So they did that and they tried to bring in, like, a lot 
They try to bring in a few different people to be the Mexican monarch, but that wasn't actually a very popular job that many people wanted in Europe. Uh, so a lot of people declined to come over and do that. Um, except for, uh, this is where we lead in to, uh, the main guy who we're going to need to know about, uh, for our story, which is Augustine de, de, oh gosh, Augustine de Trebe, de, 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 de Augustine de Turbede, Augustine de Turbede. Wow, that was hard. That was painful. <laughs> Augustine the Thurbide. Now, I had that name down pat yesterday when we were originally going to film a uh, record until my uh, router for my internet broke. So I blame my internet service for that one. <laughs> and oh, what's your internet provider? Screw you, Cox. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so he. I believe he helps overthrow the monarchy that was had been put into place, and then he is going to be made the emperor of Mon of Mexico, which isn't going to last very long. But he is going to be the main guy, and he is going to be the one that I believe our main character Beatriz, her father originally was not working with. But then ended up working with, mm -hmm. which will not help him in the end. <laughs> because, um, like I said, even at this point, like there were like mini struggles happening. And I believe him and Augustine were starting in different ones before they came together. So, the, yeah. That's what I understood from the book is that there was such a like um, political upheaval. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of. I think it was talked about in the Count of Monte Cristo with like the Bonapartes and the the other ones. Like they were just constantly like be switching between. Am I why? <laughs> I'm laughing at your Bonapartes. Oh, sorry. It's Bonaparte. I take a French one. Excuse me. That wasn't French at all. That was so Spanish from you. <laughs> We got colonized by the Spanish, not the French, okay? <laughs> As you just said, Megan. My, my bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah, which I remember in that book, too. Like, it signified the fact that there was just constantly a mm -hmm. power struggle between, like, were you part of the, the what is it called? The, the apologists, the other word for it, or, like, the rebellion. And it would just mm -hmm. switch around to where, like, even if you were a loyalist, like, suddenly you found yourself on the other side. Yeah. As outside the regime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I got the same vibe from this, where it just, like, it did give a little bit of snippets about the history at the time, mm -hmm. in which, like, even if you were loyal to the crown or, like, whatever political system was in place, it's it wasn't for long. Yeah. It was, yeah, trying to figure out Mexico's history and, like, and by that I mean, like, I did such a quick dive. Like, I did not go super deep mm. into this. Um, it's... It's not something you can do a quick dive, I'm learning. Like, there's so much involved in it. And, um, like, I didn't even mention how the Peninsulares and the Criollos, a lot of them, um, before this point, had actually, like, decided to leave Mexico because of, um, 
the upheaval and not wanting to be a part of the Mexican. Like, they did not want to be Mexican. They wanted to say Spanish. And so they took, uh, they left and they took their wealth with them. And from what I've read, like, that wealth loss, like, continues to be felt by Mexico today. So, like, that's how big of an upheaval it was. So, yeah, it was... It was crazy. I highly, like, I rec if you're interested, if any of that sounded interesting to you, like, it sounded interesting to me, and if I had the time, I would have done such a bigger deep dive, because I love history, but, um, oh. it played, like, it kind of, I felt that knowing a bit more about it really helped clarify the story a little bit for me. I definitely did, I mean, just hearing your, you talk about it to me, I was like, okay, cool, now I can, like, I have a generic understanding of what was going on, mm -hmm. at least for, like, what happened pre to the book that Beatrice yeah. talked about. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely do want to read more about Mexico's history. Nothing like a white person telling a Mexican their history. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Megan. You're welcome. For doing as your people do. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what your history is. Okay, I if I decide what's history. <laughs> so now that we've got that um, taken over with, and I just clap my hands because I do that in when I um, when I teach. <laughs> I go, oh. <laughs> you just you just taught at me, Megan. Is that what you're saying? You just had a teacher moment. I did because obviously my brain just automatically started doing it. Like I was just like, and so now we're gonna move on to the next thing. I do that all the time. Um, like Miss Megan, I have a question. No, oh, I can't say that. Don't erase that. <laughs> That's why I didn't say that. I know. <laughs> I didn't think you wanted your lesson public, so I was like, let me... Please, please take them out. <laughs> so, do we want to move on to the book now, then? Yeah, so what were your thoughts? What did you rate it? I rated this a 4.5. So, on good reason... Oh my god, you copycat! <laughs> I, so, on good reason, I gave it a 5, because I, it was, I definitely thought it deserved that roundup. Same Z's. I rated it four and a half, rounded up to five. I thought it was very fun. I, I really enjoyed this book. It took me a while to get into it, I will admit to that. But once I once it got I got into it, I loved it. I breezed through it. Um you know me how I'm not usually like a thriller it's, person. It's not your typical genre, so mm -hmm. I'm actually surprised you got through it. I fully expected <laughs> to get a text from you, like, halfway through and be like, uh, can we switch to another book? This is too much. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> but I really this enjoyed it. This is the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> the Listen, <laughs> you chose the wrong version to read. But that that is, was my bad. It wasn't the genre's fault. <laughs> um, especially since I think... Because this has that gothic horror feel, too. Mm -hmm. I imagine that helped you. Like, very much a classics book. Yeah. Um, of a wife thinking she's going crazy, everyone telling her she's going crazy. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, this definitely down. has that classic vibe of a book that we're not going to mention because we're going to read it next month. And uh, also, um, Jane Eyre-type vibes. It definitely had, like, the gothic... Um, the gothic, gothic novel vibes, which I do enjoy a good gothic. 
I may not be a big thriller yes. horror person, but I do enjoy good gothic, so. Yeah, and this author did it really well in mm-hmm. also applying it to Mexican history. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Mexico, so I really, I really love that, too. Oh, yeah. And just, like, has all that, like, historical, like, facts interweaved into it. But it wasn't too... a little too... bit of that background. But it wasn't while too While also heavy. mainly focusing... Yeah, while mo- mostly focusing on the story. Mm-hmm. You just get all those subtleties of Mexican history and mm-hmm. culture at the time. Yeah, like, I may have done a quick dive, but that was just because I wanted to. I definitely still could have enjoyed this book without doing that. Like, just me being the person I am, like, I wanted to. So I definitely think that's a good thing, too, for a lot of people, because I could probably say the majority of people probably won't follow up with history, just but I would love it if they did. (laughs) It would be a very good college class group read to do, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. You know, have a class where the professor talks about the background history and then dive into, like, what you thought. Oh, no, I would love to... I would love to, like, um, dissect it. If we had, um, if I had, like, a course where it was gothic history, I would definitely make this one of the books to read, like, um. 100%. Imagine, read Mexican gothic, read this one. mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Should we become college professors just so we can do I feel like we should be because (laughs) I actually. That would be fun. I actually, like, have been looking into going back and getting a second master's in um, English because I was like, I would love to, uh, uh, I would love to, uh, like, be a professor, like, work at a college. (laughs) I have actually, I've even looked into accreditation like like the process for teaching but when i think about a college like college level i think would be really cool mm-hmm. um especially because they get better paid at least they get better paid and um there's also like there's way more freedom with the curriculum like that's part of the thing is yeah. there's way more freedom with the curriculum which i would enjoy there's no um what is it called there's no State government forcing me to teach Fahrenheit 451 to 15 year olds every year. <laughs> yeah, we could like co teach a class. We'd be awesome. All right, all right. Let's co teach our class Anyways. now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, class. Isn't that why we have our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so the book starts so, yeah, with. The book starts with Andres convincing us i feel like uh somewhat like she died <laughs> like did it not like there she goes she's gone <laughs> goodbye dude i i can't remember the beginning now since i started it like <laughs> three weeks ago is what i'll say so um well like, okay here's the last line in, it, in the end it was yeah. not the ink slick shadows and echoing dissonant laughter of san Isidro. That broke me. It was not the fear that carved my chest open. It was losing her. And I'm like, all right, so is she dead? Like, what happened? <laughs> I know. I mean, I think even, um, like, the way... There's a lot of ways in which the book misleads you mm-hmm. at the beginning towards the end. Like, especially with Maria Catalina, the first wife. Mm-hmm. Um, even the way Andres talks about her, I was like, oh, like, what happened to her? Like, I felt so much pain. I was so worried for her. Mm-hmm. And then, like... Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so well, yeah, <laughs> what a moody perspective to have, to like open know? it up to, and then it goes straight to uh two months earlier in September eighteen twenty three. So this is after um Augustine takes power, but before he is overthrown so because his little pocket of power is very short um he so she and it's two months earlier she arrives in um apan which is the uh village or city town whatever and she's arriving in with their uh with her husband her new husband rodolfo and they are going to the uh family Estate Hacienda San Isidro. How am I yeah, doing so on like, these names? You're doing great. Okay. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, this book starts well, like after Andres's part, mm-hmm. it starts off with like a lot of hope and like happiness mm-hmm. for Beatriz. And so I as a reader was like, oh shit's about to go down. <laughs> Cause she's just so she's just so Happy? Hopeful? I think it's the Well, word. she's so hopeful because I love that. So, and my that- biggest problem, I feel like we've talked about this um, in um, your story time. I feel like we've talked about this before. My biggest problem with thrillers and horrors is that I need to be convinced that there is a reason why they're not just fucking leaving. Like, I need to be given I mean- a good reason, and I feel like this was a good reason. Like, this, oh, okay, like, okay. I, I thought no, you were going to say it wasn't, no, and I was this, like, um... Which is why I think I liked me. it so much, is because <laughs> I totally bought why she was staying there, why she was doing it. Like, I totally bought it. It made total sense to me, and I was on her side. I was like, yeah, stay there. Try to get this thing figured out. You deserve this. Not the hauntings. You deserve the, like, happily ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to have a house and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think there's a certain subsection of horror that trends towards um historical fiction ish Mm -hmm. where i as a modern woman am terrified to read those because it makes so much sense you Mm -hmm. could not just leave the house you could not just get divorced Mm -hmm. or go anywhere like you had no other option and i think it's you were just put in the attic that was your (laughs) yeah literally like when rodolfo was like oh i'll like handle you when i get home i was scared for her Mm -hmm. you know especially when um she started kind of like having feelings for andreas like um even just getting heard by him Mm -hmm. i i was scared for my girl Mm -hmm. and it just it it was so i guess realistic is the word but i (laughs) I wouldn't know (laughs) so the reason why um for our readers uh, for our listeners, sorry. <laughs> the reason why she's staying is because a few months before, Beatriz's father was taken from their home in the middle of the night and executed as a traitor. And Beatriz and her mother had to go to a uncle who, even though he hated them, like, still felt familial duty enough to, like, take them into his house. But... Not even empathy. It was just out of a sense of duty. It was literally like, I well, I have to because I can't be a bad, like, family member or else I'll look bad to the people. So... Like, God forbid. (laughs) God forbid. And they were obviously treated like shit. And 
she happens to catch Rodolfo's eyes at a party and is able to, I don't want to say seduce, but is able to like pique his interest and uh, he is wealthy and he proposes to her and she accepts even though Rodolfo was, um, is on like the opposite political side of where um, Beatriz and her mother and her father were. And her mother does not take that very well. And Beatriz just, she wants to go to the, um, she wants to go to the hacienda. She wants to make it a home. And she wants to make it a home where she could have her mother come and be with her. She wants to make it a home for not just herself, but also for her mother. Because they do not have a home. Yeah. And also taking into account that the uncle that took them in, uh, his wife, Tia Fernanda, even makes Beatriz, like, be essentially a servant Mm -hmm. for them. Yep. And also because Beatriz is biracial and she takes after the half of her family that is darker skinned, Mm -hmm. that is used against her Mm -hmm. and seen as another reason as to why they don't think she's going to get married or Mm -hmm. have any like positive outlook in life Mm -hmm. or outcome. And so when Rodolfo shows up and essentially like, you know, they fall in in lust. I don't know how to say it. (laughs) Um, She takes that lifeline, Mm -hmm. which I would too. Yep. Oh yeah. I, I totally like everything that she did made total sense to me. I was like, yep, makes sense. Mm -hmm, I get it. Totally would have too. It's funny, like, it's so ironic to look at these cultures um, where, like, like, darker skin is the normal. Like, in Mexico, like, having tanner skin is normal, but you still don't want to be too dark. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how that is now, but um, I know, like... Oh, no, it's still very much, like, lighter skin Mm -hmm. is the best. Yeah. Spanish Mm -hmm. speedishers, oh, my God. And, um, I know for African Americans and black people, the lighter skin, like, that gets talked about a lot on, like, TikTok and, um, on social media about how light, lighter skin is considered better, it's considered prettier. I remember when, uh, Bridgerton came out and I was reading an article about with the actress and the actress is a darker um desi woman and an uh, a darker indian woman and mm-hmm. sorry she referred to herself as desi in the article that's why <laughs> um and she says like you don't make it in bollywood you don't make it in indian cinema with darker skin like it just doesn't happen and it's so ironic that the the colonialism that happened is still like perpetrating like perpetuating this beauty standard even though they're not colonized anymore like does that make sense like they're still greatly affected by it and then you have us white people being like I want to get a tan I'm gonna go to tanning salons (laughs) I mean you don't have to tell me I've seen it (laughs) yeah and it's it's I'm it's... darker than you. Like, I'm darker <laughs> than you. 
and I don't see, oh, and yeah. I don't worry about it. <laughs> like I'm like, I don't worry about it. I don't have to like poor Beatriz like has to wear like a hat. Like she has to worry about getting darker. Whereas I'm like, I don't care. And, I don't have to worry if I burn. That's about crazy. it. <laughs> because I mean, this is fictional, obviously, but yeah. like it takes from real life. Mm-hmm. And even now in 2020s, like I can say I can name several instances in my life where I've had comments from you know, like, the women in my family that have said, like, oh, like, you need to put, you need to get an umbrella, you need to stay out of the sun, like, Mm -hmm. oh, Mika, you're getting darker, and it's not a good thing. So it's, like, it's crazy to see that, like, 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 in a very negative way, I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh my god, like, we're still dealing with this shit, like, just let her work in her garden. Because no one's telling you that, it's not like they're telling you that because they're like, you don't want to get skin cancer, like, you know the reason they're telling you that is because of your complexion, like, you know it has to do with, like, beauty standards, not health. Yeah. Because, yeah, health-wise, you should protect yourself from the sun, people. (laughs) <laughs> it's like yeah like wear sunscreen you know skin to answer is a very mm-hmm. real thing and i think i've even seen studies that like it's more prominent in people with more melanin in their skin mm. um so you know skin protection but in reality these comments come from a place of like um of colorism colonialism mm-hmm. and it's just per- been perpetuated throughout the years mm-hmm. even now and it's, it's like it crazy sucks. <laughs> Yeah. It is crazy, and it's, like, crazy to me when people are like, oh, that, when, like, yeah, people who bring up, why do people, why didn't they need reparations? It's happened so long ago, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, except for the fact they're still feeling the fucked up shit that was done to them today. Like, it still affects yeah. them. Like, they may not be slaves anymore, but they are still, like, they are still feeling what was done to them so anyway (laughs) that was our ted talk thank you for joining us today (laughs) yeah so i related to beatrice Mm -hmm. like if i was her i would say i would do the exact same thing of just trying to like lock my shit down figure out Mm -hmm. what's what there's a ghost in my house. Well, well like, time to get, where's I the Bible? I Fuck ain't you, going bitch. nowhere. Like, that She's ghost like, has you to try go. To, you here and you ain't paying rent? Like, <laughs> we gotta talk. <laughs> I know. I. So when she... Before we meet the ghost, quote unquote, so the, we meet Juana. Juana, Juana, Juana. What were your thoughts on Juana? I want to know. So at first I thought she was a bitch. But then... Mm-hmm. But then there was that scene where, so after she's been in the house for a while and Rodolfo has left, Beatriz brings, oh, Beatriz brings, um, so the hauntings start to happen, like, really after Rodolfo leaves. And then that's when, like, the house starts. No, they started the second she walked up to the house. Well, that's true, yeah. (laughs) Remember? She literally saw, like, a body or someone fall off the thing, didn't she? I I can't remember, but, like... I remember that she started the second she walked up. It did, but it didn't get, like, full on until he left. Like, Like, it started with, like, you could explain these things away. Like, I will not lie. Like, I will see things out of the corner of my eye sometimes, too. And I'll just be like, oh, like, that obviously, like, that wasn't someone. But, um... Once he leaves, like, that's when, like, 
the hacienda is like, all right, shutters are off. We're doing this. Like, <laughs> like, like let's go. The play, let's go. And so she brings Beatriz brings Juana to this chest with like all these like really uh expensive silk are, and they open the chest and it's filled with blood. There's just blood everywhere, and she and Juana Juana are like totally freaked out. And they run out, and, like, they're washing their hands, but there's no blood on them. Like, it's all gone. And so she and Juana, like, sit, and they have a drink. And I believe uh, the servant, Ana Luisa, also joins. Not the drinking, but, like, joins them. and Yeah, she's just, like, there. And I was like, okay, like, maybe Juana's cool. Like, maybe, like, we can chill with her because they're talking, and she doesn't seem too bad. And then she was just a bitch the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah. I think especially with that scene, I at first I thought she was a bitch and then I learned uh to sympathize with her. I don't know, just I felt bad for her. I feel like and, the like, author her was place is yeah, adding red herring or not red herrings, but just kind of making you think she's very um Well, I think she did a good innocent. job at that. I think she did a good job at giving us some times when I was like, ah, oh, I actually kind of feel bad for her because there's a later point we'll talk about where I kind of do feel bad for her. I'm like, oh, I kind of feel bad for you, girl. Yeah. That's Especially changes. the emphasis. <laughs> the emphasis on her having to get married and how people dislike her for mm-hmm. being, you know, so old, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um and I'm unmarried. Seven years old. <laughs> I'm already a burden on my parents. Not frightened. <laughs> so I definitely felt for her, but it was like it was down here, goes up, and then my sympathy for her goes down again. Mm-hmm. It was a roller coaster with her. <laughs> she was a roller coaster. But I don't know. I. I think she would be a very interesting character to see in a movie. I would love for this to be adapted. I feel like Netflix should pick this up and totally adapt it. 100%. I think, oh, I mean, have they, they were going to do a movie adaptation of Mexican Gothic too, right? I don't know. It's been a while. No? Since, I don't yeah, know. I, I, it's been I so long. I just, maybe that was me just putting vibes <laughs> into the world. Putting like, vibes out there. I'm just trying to manifest. So obvious, so this fucking house is just like tormenting our girl it's slamming doors all the time it is making her see things she at one time she is going through the house and she is um like documenting what places are and she finds this really cold part of the house and she's like okay like this is a this is like a naturally cold spot like this is cool like we can make it a storeroom we can store like things that need to be cold in here and all of a sudden like she falls forward something pushes her and she falls forward and like makes this dent in the wall with her hand and she makes it again and the wall just like falls apart and there is a fucking body in the wall like a skeleton and she freaks out and she goes running She's trying to find Juana, and they she gets Juana, some of the servants come, they go back, and the thing is, like, totally back to normal. There is no, like, bro- broken down wall, there's no body, there's no nothing. And so, 
people are starting to question her sanity here. Which I always, I also kind of expected. I was like, oh man, this house is going to be such a bitch. It's going to make people, like, it's going to turn people against her, isn't it? Yeah. And what's crazy is that, you know, the servants leave after a certain time of the day. Like, they don't want, or at least Ana Luisa and Juana, I think I mentioned. I'm not sure for if any other servants enter the mm-hmm. household at any point. But I know for them, they will not be in the house after a certain time. Which yeah, you would think know. there would be other servants, too, that would feel the same thing. Of, mm-hmm. like, I'm not I'm not going to be caught dead there after, you know, sunset. Mm-hmm. And so to have everyone essentially kind of gaslight her mm-hmm. is what I'm feeling. Because there's no way they don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like the house stayed dormant and then, you know, Beatriz shows up and the house is like, ooh, <laughs> she's come to play. Let's figure ooh. this shit out. Like, no. Like, you know, it's been terrorizing other people, too. (laughs) So, Beatrice does what any other good uh, Catholic Mexican girl would do, which is she goes to the church to ask for an exorcism. Except she doesn't ask for an exorcism. She, like, asks the priest to come and, like, it's normal, I guess, for a priest to come and, like, bless a new home. Like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of cleanse it. Do their thing. And so one of the main priests does, I think it's, is it Padre Guillermo or Padre Vicente? I don't remember the difference. One of them. Okay. Well, one of them's nice and one of them's a dick. So we'll just say Padre Dick. So Padre Dick goes (laughs) and he brings along uh, Andreas. And Andreas is a daddy priest. And oh my god. Yes, father. He I is Daddy Priest. <laughs> <laughs> and they go to the house and Beatrice is like, no, you have to they do the whole like throwing some holy water around and being like, and this house is blessed or whatever. And Beatrice is like, no, like it needs to be exercised. Can you not feel it? Like, this house is crazy. Like, something needs to be done. And Padre Dick is like, you crazy, I'm leaving. But yeah. um, she's able to, like, catch like, on. blows her off is, like, totally oh, this hysterical. She's hysterical, you know, women problems. Like, mm-hmm. don't touch me. I'm going home. Exactly. And... Not only does he blow her off, he then decides to continue to be a dick. Like, he takes it the extra mile, and he tells on her to her husband. Like, she's a fucking child. He writes her husband to be like, your wife is fucking crazy. You need to do something. And Rodolfo, like, writes to her being like, what the fuck is up with you and your behavior? We'll talk about this when I get home. Like, like, oh, you're embarrassing me. Mm-hmm. Get your shit together until I get home. And, oh. Yeah, I was so mad. I was like, okay, first off, the priest, he didn't have to fucking do that, okay? Like, you couldn't have just, like, left it alone. But yeah. no, he had to take it that step further, and I was so mad. So, but before Andreas, is le- Andreas leaves, Beatriz, like, gets him and is like, please help me. And he says, come talk to me. And she goes to talk to him later. And he believes her. And we find out it's because he is from um, Apan and he would spend time in San Isidro. And not only that, he's a witch. 
has. He is a male witch slash priest slash daddy (laughs) (laughs) slash father. (laughs) Hi, daddy. (laughs) So and and so like he fully steps up to the plate and Mm -hmm. takes. First of all, takes her seriously mm-hmm. and says, I too have heard and seen what you're talking about. He felt it the like, minute he him, walked in. Like, he's like, yeah. I felt it the minute I walked in, something was up. Yeah. So I don't know what that other priest was doing. I don't know. Well, he was a yeah. dick, not a daddy. So that was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> not a true father of the Lord. He was not a true, um, he was not a daddy of the Lord. So. <laughs> Oh my god, we're gonna, like, lose, like, any Christian listeners we have. (laughs) Oh, um, listen. (laughs) This is not the book for you, anyways. It's a lot of witchcraft. A lot of witchcraft. But you know what? It's a lot of witchcraft, but she also, like, definitely still... Um, Andreas, even though he's a witch, he's still Catholic. Like, he still is fully, like, in his belief. He's still... From what I know, I know that especially in the more, um, like, outskirts and, like, the smaller towns of Mexico, witchcraft and Catholicism is still a bit intertwined. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can go to church on Sundays, but you will still, like, rub an egg over someone if they're sick. Yeah. what I've I've often heard. So, like, it totally makes sense to have a character like him who just kind of, like, does both Mm -hmm. and believes in both. Mm-hmm. But also recognizes the power in one over the other, I guess. Well, that, that's a very normal thing for cultures that are um, converted. Colonized. I was going to say, yes, colonized and converted <laughs> because they will, um, even if they convert, even if they convert willingly, like even if they fully believe, they will still take parts of their culture, whether that's witchcraft, witchcraft, um, in I believe with a lot of like black people in the south of uh, voodoo, which like we have such a we have such like a white hate view on voodoo. Like voodoo is like an actual like type of religion. Like it has like it's actually a very serious thing. Um, but many p- black people in the south like they are um very Protestant, but they also will practice a lot of voodooism. And that is just because of it's a melding of two cultures, uh, which I think is fucking cool, but I don't know how the Pope feels. He and I don't talk much, but. (laughs) I don't think either of us are talking to the Pope, Megan, or to God in our. (laughs) I'll just stick with the daddy of the Lord. I'll just talk to him. Let me, let me, um, let me just play that. That one song by Lil Nas X real quick. <laughs> What's that song? I forget, but I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> Call me what you want. Call me what you need. Call me... That one? Yeah. <laughs> let me just let me just play Montero real quick. No, we are um... <laughs> not paying for the copyright. <laughs> well, well, we both tour. <laughs> so Andres um... comes... So Andreas <laughs> comes to the... Hacienda, basically under the guise of, like, uh, Beatriz wants to bring, uh, 
the religion back to the hacienda. So he's going to provide more mass services for the people that work on the hacienda. Uh, but really, he is helping her figure out, like, what the fuck is going on. And there is some fucked up shit that happens. Yeah. And we also later turn out that um, he he was banned from the Hacienda. So he does also kind of have, like, this, um, I don't, I don't want to say, like, vindication. Is that mm-hmm. the word? Of just being able to return after being banished. Which we later find out was by the, um, should we say? First wife? By the, yeah, by the first wife. Is it Maria Catalina? Yeah, I didn't know if I wanted to, like, spoil it already, Mm -hmm. but we later find out it's by Maria Catalina. Yeah, so he's banished by Maria Catalina, and she is Rodolfo's first wife, who there were already rumors that, like, before Beatriz marries him, that, like, Ooh, what happened to his first wife? Well, he probably killed, like, you know what I mean? Like, those kind of rumors. And, but Beatrice, like, you know, she grabs her shot while she can. Like, no blame, girl. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Ends up in Blackbeard's den, essentially. <laughs> but she's like, you know. You mean Bluebeard? Bluebeard. <laughs> don't diss our Blackbeard. I'm thinking of that show. I know you I'm are. And I'm like, don't was diss. Like, Hell yeah. Don't diss our yeah. daddy Blackbeard. He I would is. end up on that ship. I, right? I was like, excuse you. I, you want Bluebeard, to be Blackbeard, with him. Blackbeard, I mean. No, Bluebeard, bad. Blackbeard, good. Blackbeard, good. <laughs> Blue, bad. Black, Black good. Um, <laughs> so, there's already, like, this mystery surrounding her death, and you kind of start I think you like autumn like fairly quickly like f- pretty much assume that the house the thing haunting the house is Maria Catalina yeah. but you don't know yeah. why and we find out that Andres was banished from the house because when he comes back to San Isidro his cousin Paloma um asks him to basically create an abortion potion um yeah for one of the servants who had been raped by Rodolfo and is now pregnant. And yeah. Andreas, because of his religion, th- really struggles with this. Um, and pa- I kind of felt bad for him because Paloma went like straight for the jugular by bringing up like oh. his grandma, uh, Titi who she was a witch and kind of, like, was his mentor. Like, she brings her up and says, oh, she would have done it, like, you're, you know what I mean? Like, she kind of went straight for the jugular. And I thought she was a little, like, girl, I'll be a little understanding here. He is a fucking priest. (laughs) Especially because the whole book, he is struggling with the guilt of trying to fill his grandmother's shoes Mm -hmm. and realizing that he can't. Mm-hmm. And he's just constantly um, thinking to himself, oh, like, oh my would God. do this. And I felt so bad for him. So to know that even someone like Paloma, who was a close, you know, cousin, but also friend to mm-hmm. him, in a sense, just said something like that was brutal. Okay, I just have to say, before we even get to it, when he finally decides, like, he can't fulfill, like, he can't fill his grandma's shoes. Oh my God, such a great part. Such a great part. Oh. Oh my god. I was so sexually attracted to him. (laughs) I was gonna say the 
character development for him was fantastic. That because... too, but I was so like, <laughs> boy, boy. He's that thirsty over my guy. He is a priest, Megan. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, Daddy. Sorry. <laughs> Stop crossing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. He finally decides to do it, and okay, I got so, another reason I got fucking pissed at Paloma oh, was when oh, he's- Oh, she tells him to write it down, When even he's he telling her the ingredients, and she's like, just write it down, and he's like, no, if this is, like, Titi told me to never write it down, because if this is found, like, we are fucked, and she's like, well, it's, like, rather- If I screw it up, she can die. Exactly, and so he starts to write it down- and then Maria Catalina comes in and sees it and weirdly knows what an abortion potion recipe looks like, in my opinion. Right. I'm kind of right. like, like, I'm sorry, I would have, if our Paloma would have been like, uh, how do you know what that's for? Uh, how do you, what, uh, excuse me? Yeah. And she fucking flips and she thinks it's Paloma who's pregnant and she, like, he is obviously like a priest and she knows it and she just goes off and she slaps Paloma. He tries to defend Paloma, but he's banished instead and it was just a shit show. Yeah, I did like, in that moment, I was annoyed. I saw it coming from the second she yeah. told him, like, write it down, write it down. Oh, I know where there's paper. Hold on. Give me a second. Mm-hmm. Um, at least she kind of, like, she kind of got a little bit of redemption with the fact that she threw it in the fire and told her, yeah. oh, you now you have no evidence, so it's just mm-hmm. your word against ours, you know, mm-hmm. the lowly servants, but, um. <laughs> but then Maria Catalina is like, yeah, it's my word, a fucking, if she wasn't a, she probably wasn't a, a Peninsulares, but a Criollo, she, um, against a Mestizo, <laughs> like, yeah. Who are they going to believe? Like, he already was looked down upon by the other padres for being a mestizo, so... Yeah, so it's... I mean, it's just one of the many instances where Maria Catalina is a piece a of <laughs> <laughs> so, so we do see a lot of, like in that moment, the confirmation of how big of an asshole Rodolfo is. Mm-hmm. The fact that he even... Um, got one of his servants pregnant, which, like, you know, that's not something that you just, um, like, easily can get rid of or deal with. Mm-hmm. I think she was set to, or was engaged to someone, but it was, mm, yeah, so, yeah. the wedding was so far off in the future that it wouldn't um, be, she couldn't, be yeah. passed off as his. He might have been so, fighting, like, he might have been off fighting, too. Like, he might not have even yeah. been around for, to, like, do the impregnation. That is very true. So it's not like they could have just, like, passed it off as his. Mm -hmm. And what essentially ends up happening is Juana, I believe, is the one who ends up getting rid of, what is her name, Mariana? No? What? Am I too far in the future or what? It's not Juana. It's not Juana that kills her. Are you sure? I remember it saying, Juana, like, you... Yeah, like no, I it's Maria it's Catalina. Saying, Maria Catalina. I remember it saying like, "Oh, no. Juana, you jumped the gun." Are you sure? I'm positive. Maria Catalina. I'm positive. No, I am positive. Maria Catalina 
calls her to do something in some like really high up room that no one ever stays in anyway. And then she mm. quote unquote falls to her death. And the only other person up there was Maria Catalina. And so okay. Juana and Ana Luisa get together to kill Maria Catalina as like revenge. Mm, I remember that part, but I could have sworn it was like Juana jumped the gun and I was like, Juana? No, Juana jumped the gun in terms of poisoning Maria Catalina. Oh, okay. Fine, I'll take your word. You better, because I'm right. I'm look it up after this. <laughs> I Damn, swear to I God, I, I am the right. E-book. I wish I read the ebook. Oh my God. I am right. <laughs> Why would Juana it. kill Melina? That's why it stood out to me because it was exactly because it, it makes uh, no sense. <laughs> listen, I just remember that it was like a um, like a memory. I think it was the part where Beatriz was having like someone else's memories play in her head, and one of them was like, "Why don't you jump again?" No, 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 no. But maybe no. I understood incorrectly. You did understand incorrectly. Oh my god! Also, what edition do you have? Do you also have the book of the month one? I do not have the book of the month one. Oh, you don't? Oh. No. That sucks. Swear to God, I'm Anyways. going to find it. Well, either way, she jumped the gun and, um, you know what? She jumped the gun because I think she killed Maria Catalina too early. And so they had to bury her in the wall and then say she died later so they could bury that empty casket because Maria Catalina is buried in the wall that was her skeleton yeah. they found. But she is she does have a plaque in the cemetery, but it's empty. Yeah, it's So that's what grave. she meant by she jumped the gun. She gave her too much poison because mm, there... It must have been she jumped the gun on Maria Catalina. I think that's what it was. Because their... Al- not their alibi, their... Um, they were disguising her as going to die of the sickness. Yeah. But for it to be plausible, like, she can't die right away. Do you remember in The Lost Apothecary when, like, she says, like, you can't give that poison, like, you can't give all of it if you want it to be, if you want to be, like, a sickness. Like, you have to do a little bit at a time to kill him. But then that girl just straight up pours the whole bottle in and he immediately dies. That's what Juana did. That she is basically did what Juana did. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, met up with the apothecary apothecaries and fucked up just like her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes sense, actually. So she did jump the gun. Mm-hmm. Just and Maria Catalina is pissed. She at first I remember like when we found out that um that girl died I was like I wonder if she is going like I wonder if it's like Maria Catalina I wonder if she was like a red herring and it's really gonna be that serpent who's the ghost mm. but she didn't really have a reason to do what she was doing except for like yeah. like if she was doing it to Rodolfo yes but because it was really like Beatrice was. Uh, like the obvious like besides Juana like Beatriz was like the obvious like person the um house was going for and that mm-hmm. wouldn't may have made sense for the um the ghost of that servant to really care about so 
Yeah, especially since he would, like, sleep peacefully in the house. He was hanging he out. He felt warm. Like, the house was, yeah. like, his friend, which is so fucked up, which just goes to show you that Maria Catalina obviously, like, was... Like, 100%, even in death, believed he was a good guy. Maybe not believed he was a good guy, but obviously loved or him or least... was obsessed with him. I mean, even... Does she, she, I mean, she probably doesn't believe that the servants are saying anything just because of, like, what they are to mm-hmm. her. And it just essentially, like, my husband wouldn't sleep with someone like you is probably what more of what she was thinking. Who knows, I think she though. was more worried about the fact that he got her pregnant instead of the whole raping her thing. Because she just did not want a bastard around. Like, that mm-hmm. was it. Like, she did not want a bastard around. Yeah. Which was part of the reason why Juana cared so much. Yeah. So we find out that is why the house is like going cuckoo for Cocoa Pops is because it is Maria and Catalina. She's been murdered. She's not even like in the ground. She was put in the house and um she's still obsessed with Rudolfo and she's just a bitch. Yeah, so she's essentially the one who's been, like, fucking with Beatrice, giving her mm-hmm. nightmares. And also, it's interesting how Andreas, when he shows up, also feels the negative energy because mm-hmm. of her feelings in life towards, towards him. him, too. Mm-hmm. And to see him come back after, you know, being banished, mm-hmm. that he can just show up at her house, even though she's dead, mm-hmm. you know, the disrespect to her. And as Andrea said, you know, the lady of the house invited me back, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was Beatrice. Hilarious. So this whole time, like, so Rodolfo was there at the beginning and then he goes back, back to, uh, was it Guadalupe, Guadalajara, Mexico City? Where did he go? I can't Who? remember. One of the big cities, Rodolfo. I have no idea. I just know he went off. Okay, so he went back to one of the big cities because he's, like, because he's the rich guy. You know how they don't spend time on their estates. They do politics in the city, whatever. And he comes back, and they do a, like, little dinner party, and Juana acts up. Gets crunk and just, like... Says everything she's thinking with no filter. Yes, oh and God. Rudolfo is not happy. Beatrice is able to pull her shit together, like, but even though she even sees the dead ghost of uh, the sees, first wife oh my in God. one of the chairs, she's right still next able to, to Andreas. Right next to Andreas, she sees the dead wife, and you're like, "How do you keep your chill? How?" <laughs> <laughs> That's why she rocks. She. She went through some shit. Some of the visions she talked about. Do you think Juana was seeing that shit too? And that's why she kept getting drunk? Like, do you think that's why she turned to alcohol? I think Andres even says it. He says that, like, the way she got drunk reminded him of his own, I think he said father or a male figure in his life who did the same thing because they also heard the voices. Yes. Mm -hmm. Also heard the voices and didn't want to hear them. And he's like, Juana is the same level of drunk and the same way she's talking reminds me of him. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, I was like, yeah. so she knows. Like, that's why. she totally knows. And so, Rudolfo gets pissed and when the uh, the guests leave. Beatrice and Andreas are in one, like the sitting room or whatever. 
Uh, and Andreas is around because he's still under the guise of, like, he's staying on the hacienda to give masks to the people. Uh, but Rodolfo, like, grabs Juana, like, drags her out of the room, and you find out that she isn't even his full sister. She's his half-sister, and she's actually a bastard. And she's been given this um, legitimate identity and has been able to live as if she is a legitimate daughter of the past owner. And Rodolfo's mm-hmm. basically like, get your shit together, or, or like, I'm not gonna let you. Like, I will reveal that you are a bastard to everyone, like, and you will be treated like a bastard. I think this is one of the moments where I did truly feel bad for her Mm -hmm. and why I was kind of sad that she ended up um, wanting to kill Beatrice and like turned out to be kind of at least one of the villains of the story Mm -hmm. because she also was a victim of this system that was in place that she didn't decide to Mm -hmm. be in place and she was only like in in a lot of ways second in power to Rodolfo and he mm-hmm. was the one that held the true power. Mm-hmm. And so it makes well, sense that whatever power she could get, she was like, you know. Well, and without um, a lady in the house, she is the lady of the house. So it kind of goes back to like, I don't know if you remember when I was telling you about Venetia, but Venetia like has this power on that estate while her brother's mm-hmm. gone. But the minute the wife shows up, Like, she's displaced, and that's the same thing that's happening here. And so, I get why she doesn't want the wives around. Mm -hmm. But, because even, like, if she is, I feel like even with Rodolfo around, she still has it better. Like, she can still get away with shit. And she probably, like, I think she was, she loved San Isidro. Like, that was her home. And... It's unfortunate that the place she loved and, like, killed for for tormented her out of it because she wasn't even living in the main house anymore because yeah. of everything that was happening. Like, she was living in, like, what, like, one of the servants' quarters? Like, she was living somewhere. Yeah, I can't some, remember like, where. I don't know, like a caretaker's house? Yeah, somewhere off there, I like the cottage. Remember. Which, like, also makes sense when the lady of the house comes, but, like, still, like... It was, yeah. I, I kind of get what you mean. It's, Juana, yeah. I, 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 get, I, I can give some sympathy, sympathy for her. I, I also just think she's a crazy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can see the direction I wanted her character to go, just because I wanted to continue sympathizing with her. Mm-hmm. But, it, like, in the end, it was, like, she, she was a crazy bitch, and you can't... <laughs> Like, yeah. you can't reason that away. <laughs> yeah. Especially considering she not only killed one wife, she went to try and kill the other one by setting her on fire. We haven't gotten there yet, Denise. Sorry. It's just... I know. Insane. Okay. Insane. So, because Denise is trying to get <laughs> us there, so, basically, after that reveal, they go to bed, Rudolfo tries to, like have sex with Beatrice, she is able to, like, be like, I'm on my period, that's gross, remember? And he's like, that is gross, ew, period. <laughs> and... He was like, ugh. Yeah, and goes... Well, because there was a moment there when, like, it seemed like he was going to force her. Oh, definitely. He was fully I, prepared to force her. 
I was ready. I started skimming at that point because I thought that's what was going to happen. Where it was going to go. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. not want to read that part. And then yeah. she brings up that she's on her period. And mm-hmm. I I was like, okay, okay. Shoot. Which, like, I have to say was really smart of her because especially back then, like, it was believed that, like, peri- like periods were super gross. The, especially like the Catholics, like the Catholics, like I was gonna say, it is a I like I don't know for Catholics, but it is in the Bible that um you can't like be seen when you're on your period. Like they don't want women to be yeah, seen when they're on their period in the Bible. It's I like predict. you are, if you're on your period, you are impure, and so mm-hmm. anything you touch, like you can't even cook or like do yeah. anything because you mm-hmm. are impure according to the Bible. Yep, not no, my beliefs. Is- no, but that is totally true. And so yeah. I thought that was pretty smart of her. So they go to bed, but the house is just like, the house is just ramped it up, probably because Rudolfo is there, who, by the way, like, it's freezing for everyone. Beatrice is freezing, but Rudolfo's like, ooh, it's weirdly warm in here, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking dick. Like, he had no screen time, but when he was there, you just hated so him. Stupid. <laughs> And so she finally, like, she's, like, she tells uh, Maria Catalina the house, she's, like, you are not killing me tonight. And she runs out of the house, and she runs to the chapel, and she decides to sleep in the chapel. Andreas finds her. Um, She, like, falls asleep on his shoulder while he comforts her. They were so cute. This, all their scenes, like, we don't really talk about much, yeah. but, like, because it's kind of hard to talk about those things, but they were so cute. I mean, yeah. I was a little, like, Beatrice, he is a priest, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but then I was also oh, like, Andreas, yeah. you are a priest, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, especially when, um, I think it was when she ran to him. That he, like, she ended up having to hide in one of the storage rooms, and she has to, like, sneeze. It was just, like, a, I don't know, like, a little cute moment that I mm-hmm. remember about them, and just, like, them sneaking around, like, little teenagers, <laughs> but they can't even, like, get the, the, what is the word? They can't even hold each other's hand or anything, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh my god, they're like, she's looking at me, and I'm you looking know. at her. <laughs> she looked at me. Yeah. And I looked at him. <laughs> um, exactly. I know. And so the next morning, Beatrice is found, and she's brought to the their room. And fucking Rodolfo has his throat slit, like he is like dead. And it does not look good for our girl Beatrice. His, <laughs> wasn't his throat like slashed? Yeah, that's what I said. That, it was slit, was- like. It was a gruesome murder, not yeah. even like he went in his sleep or like. I don't like know. it. Really oh, shocked maybe he me. Was sick, like no, no, like did. it really shocked me because, um, earlier in the book, that one the, um, Ana Luisa, the servant who helped Juana kill Maria Catalina, oh yeah, was like literally scared to death by the house, like. Andreas accidentally, like, made it so, like, whatever, like, Maria Catalina could, like, leave the confines of the hacienda, and she was, like, bet, and she went to Ana Luisa and, and, like, murdered her with fear, and so when, when I first found, when we first found out that Rudolfo was dead, I was like, oh, did she, did Maria Catalina, and 
It was like, no, his throat was slit. And I was like, oh, no, that wasn't the house. Like, that... (laughs) That was such a scary moment, too. When, I think it was when Andreas, like, he... He had done a ritual and accidentally broke open the circle so the spirit of the house was able to run loose and she ends up killing um, Ana Luisa. And then, like, the fact that later on he's able to tie the spirit back to the house and I'm like, that is horrifying to think Mm -hmm. of. To know that her spirit was loose upon the world for a couple of days. Oh my god. It was only a night. It was only a night. It was one night, one night. Yeah, after Ana Luisa... After Anna Luisa, they, uh, they fixed it. But yeah, it was, she did not waste her time. Did you, did you immediately think it was Juana? I don't know what I thought. I felt like, like, I think, I always try to do the thing for these, um, for murder mysteries where I'm like, who's the person it's least likely to be? And so in my head, I'm like, what if it was Paloma? Like, what if... And then I was like, no, it couldn't be... You know, like, I was like... I was like, Mm -hmm. it's gotta be someone you wouldn't expect it to be. And I think Juana was, like, an easy choice, but it was also, like, kind of semi-expected. So I kind of just had... I wanted it to be someone more interesting instead of someone that I suspected. I thought that, too. Um, When they asked, like, did you... When they asked, like, do you always leave this window open? I was like, what if he just, like, was murdered by, like, one of, like, the, like, angry, like, hacienda workers, like, who are working the fields or whatever? Or, like, what if he... Like, or what if um, a political, like, person came and killed him? Like, and, like, it was just really bad luck for Beatrice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, what if it was one of the priests at the church? Dun, oh, dun, shit. Dun. Do you yeah. think she would have killed Beatrice, too? I fully believe that she saw... A part of me wonders, like, if she saw Beatrice run out of the house and thought, this is my time, and went to kill him... Or do you think she would have killed him and Beatrice, like, in their sleep? Hmm. It's interesting because never, like, the house would terrorize her, right? But I don't feel like I can remember a moment where she truly was in danger. It was just kind of moments of fucking with her. Um. But was she ever, like, she wasn't ever, like, seriously injured that I can think of. Or well, she didn't, she was, was like, never in the house for long enough. Yeah, but even when she was, it was just like a buildup, but then nothing mm-hmm. would happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe the house just liked to mess with her, or it was just ramping up to um, if the house had enough time, would have ended her. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it would have been more interesting for the second one um, that the house wanted to kill her too. I mean, I'm talking about Juana. Oh, I thought you were talking about the house. No, I fully believe Juana. I because I I feel like Juana saw Beatrice run out of the house and was like, "This is my time," and she went in and killed Rudolfo. And I think like, I think a lot of it was like opportunity, but I'm also wondering like, do you think she would have just decided to kill both of them that night if Beatrice had stayed? If I was Juana, I would say whatever lets me be in power of the house and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that she would have, um, I think, 
I think she would have chosen whatever would have allowed her to stay there. So if that was killing Rodolfo, having... I don't know how it worked. How did it work for Mexican government? Would everything pass on to the wife if he died? Or was it like also like what I know of European where it would pass to the next male heir? I think it went to the wife because she... At least... I mean, I feel like- it, it, did in, in, it did in this one because at the end she got it all. Hmm. That's true. So then I think Juana would have either like framed her or been like, you know, we could pass it off on one of the servants, Beatrice, let's, mm-hmm. you know, me and you have a pact. And if she ever felt like she was being threatened by, by Beatrice, she would have just like thrown her under the bus. So you don't think she would have just killed Beatrice with her, with him? I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, she shows she's perfectly capable of murdering the wives. Yes. But I think that she always had something to, like, pass it off on. Mm. The fact that she slit his throat, you know, you can't just be like, maybe it was typhus, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it would be weird for them to evolve. Oh my I, god, I guess... look what typhus did! <laughs> <laughs> Unless she would just bury them. That's too many bodies, too many people to just suddenly... So, Rodolfo is dead, and so they... Juana comes in and she is able to convince everyone that Beatriz did it. Keep in mind that Beatriz is even darker than usual at this point because she'd been outside, like, guarding. She's been doing everything she could to not be in the house. And she was forgetting to wear her hat. And Rudolfo even said anything, said something to her when he came in, like, when he came back. Like, you're, have you been forgetting to wear your hat? And, like... I, Beatriz went immediately into panic mode like oh shit like I'm too dark for him like I have to like powder my face like she I have to make myself whiter um so she's already like so she's already darker which is not going to um make herself look good to the police and Juan is able to convince them that she murdered Rudolfo and they lock her up um, in the house, and Andreas is, like, worried because he's like, I have to get her out of there before the house kills her, and Paloma is just like, I mean, Juana is probably gonna beat the house to it, man, and, like, <laughs> yeah, and this is where, um, this is where I, I loved the scene where Andreas this like he finally like is like accepts himself he's like I cannot be my titi I have I have to move forward as me and he just like accepts like the darkness of the magic and I'm like just I'm just like picturing picturing, I'm just like picturing like darkness swirling around him like his eyes slightly glowing and like like oh. if he had, if he had like a trident or something and held it up like lightning in that moment, oh. would just hit it and like <laughs> dramatic I, sparks fly. I just loved it, and he like is able to like he's able to conceal himself in the shadows, and like he sneaks up on the guards and like knocks them out, and like oh, I was like oh, Andreas, daddy. 
Stop it. It was such a great buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an iconic moment. I <laughs> I hope this gets a movie adaptation so I can just see that play out mm-hmm. on the screen. Because that was a fantastic buildup for him. It was. I, I loved it. Um, hell yeah. So, uh, while he's, like, figuring himself out, Wano <laughs> shows up and it's just, like, <laughs> this was so weird because, like, Beatrice is in there and all of a sudden, like, where is she, by the way? Like, where do they keep her? I forget. Like, the basement or something? I was a little bit confused on that part because at first I understood that they wanted to keep her in the basement because the jail was really for drunks and other minor crimes and mm-hmm. they didn't want to put her with the other, uh, like, you know, so below her station. But then at some point I heard it the I heard the book mention like cell doors and stuff like that. So Okay, see I I think it I think it was the basement and I maybe it was like the cellar, like the cellar doors, like mm. you know how they can like open up and then you go yeah. down. They either way, they put her like in the basement, we'll call it. And like she's in the basement and like liquid starts to like drip down and I'm like, what the fuck? And then Juana appears with a fucking torch and it's like, you crazy ass bitch. (laughs) So she drops the torch in there and I love how Beatriz is like yelling at the house at Maria Catalina and it's just like, if you want revenge, like, come get it. Like, she's here. She did it. And the house is like, you're right. Boop. And it just drops Juana into the fire she had started. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, um, Andres comes. They get, they get out. Uh, they're able to basically clear Beatrice's name because not only did uh they find the body of Maria Catalina in the wall, like Beatrice told the police they would, like, because she was like, Juana killed her. But, like, weirdly, Juana trying to kill Beatrice kind of convinced the police, like, maybe she's the psychopath. Right? <laughs> I was thinking fire. that, too. Like, with the fire, I was like, do you not think maybe people will start to question why you did that? right how do you just like how do you pass it off as just something that happened like oh like house on fire i you know i live on the same property but like i don't see what happened i don't know Um, and beatrice gets the best life a woman could have back then which is a wealthy widow and kudos to her like if you if you went back in time and had to choose, always pick the wealthy widow. You get more freedom and you get the money. Exactly. You Every have to be a widow too. Time. Like you can't be like you can't be just a wealthy girl who hasn't gotten married yet. You have to be a widow. It's crazy how the rules work, but that's how it goes. Yeah. When you're playing the board game of life, <laughs> you gotta choose that third path of be a wealthy widow that's Mm -hmm. how you win this game with more money than you started (laughs) so what did you think of the ending like what did you think about Beatrice and leaving to go 
I mean, I don't think there was any other thing way for Beatriz. Like, she had to leave. I I couldn't see her staying there. But what do you think about Andrea staying, them parting ways? Like, what do you feel? How do you feel about all that? It leaves it as an open ending where I think the author could write a sequel if they wanted to. Hear me out on this. Imagine if this is a prequel to, like, um, like... A series of books where you have the male witch slash doc or slash priest and his assistant slash wife, and they just go off and like practice exorcisms and stuff throughout <laughs> the country such, of Mexico. That is such awful thinking. That is not I, where this is going. <laughs> that is the series I want. I'm just saying they could set it in an alternative universe. I, mean, I am so ready to read that. <laughs> it sounds great. I love it. We both know that's not where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Someone please write that fan fiction for Denise, though. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll have to see if there's any fan fiction in this book. But that's what I felt like you could totally do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it makes sense as an ending, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, they really can't end up together at least in polite society it's not an option well he could leave the church that was still a thing that could happen back then i think yeah but i don't i don't know i don't know like he if they were going to be together he would have to leave the church like realistically for both of their characters and then just like um what's the word society wise like how it would work out for them Mm -hmm. like if people would be cool with it Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just, like, like how you said, all the stuff that's happening in the background, like, how does he, once he leaves the church, because he, he entered the church so that he wouldn't have to be conscripted into the war, or whatever the word is. Isn't that the whole reasoning? Or was it because of his powers? It's because of um, his powers. His, so, uh, PP wanted him, uh, his mother wanted him to join the church, um, and TT kind of agreed with it. Uh, because of his powers, they thought like it would be the safest place for him. Um, he didn't want to. It wasn't because he didn't want to be conscripted. It's because of the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. They were looking for um, people who were doing what he was doing, like the people mm-hmm. who were practicing. Yeah. Like you know how we talked about earlier, like also having like doing Catholicism along with what their culture wanted. Uh, Back then, like, if you started, like, if you included what your what your culture was, like, you'd be killed. <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember. It was because of the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. No one, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Or <laughs> 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 <Well>, remembers it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I guess, I don't know. Like, it's not a sad ending, but it just kind of, It's not of, a like, sad ending, but it's also kind of, like, I mean, can... It does. It's not a, a happy ending. Yeah, it doesn't he, wrap everything up with a nice bow and like lets them both be happy together. Do you think? Because I he he will not leave San Isidro. I don't think he'll leave San Isidro. I think he, he feels too tied there. Not only because of being a priest, them needing him, but them needing him because he's a witch. Can you see yes. Beatriz going back? Hmm. Because he cleansed the house, like, he fixed the house in the hopes that, like, it would, like, it would get her to stay, and she can't, which, like, was totally understandable. 
Maybe, maybe with time. I know she said that the painful memories that she remembers of the house were too much, and that's why she couldn't stay there. Mm-hmm. Maybe with time, they will kind of lessen mm-hmm. the pain. Um, and so she could go back. Who knows, though? Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, in a few months, they could both be dead because Mexico's history was fucking crazy back then. Let me tell you. That's not not the ending I want. (laughs) I'm just letting you know. (laughs) That's not good fan fiction, Megan. Whoops. (laughs) Take it out of my brain now. Um, Yeah, I think with time, like, I think the author could write that sequel, too. Like, it's so, like... It's open There's no sequel. There's no sequel coming, Denise. There's <laughs> no sequel. There's Don't no, say this. There is no sequel to this. I did not see, I did not get any sequel vibes from this book. I think it's <laughs> <sad> now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I mean, it's like, it's that line of like, it's not a happy ending, but still mm-hmm. like, you're kind of like, oh. I mean, it was a happy ending for Beatrice. She's a wealthy widow. I guess. W-W! Wealthy widow! Yeah. But 4.5 stars. I enjoyed it. Yeah, this was a long one. We are starting to have way too long of talks. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't even think in this one we had, like, a lot of time of, um, dogs barking that we No, we didn't. <laughs> we just like to talk. Oh my gosh. Woo. These were well, really good books, too, though. Yeah, this one and our last one it was really long, Which would too. be out by the time we um post this one. Mm-hmm. Which husbands. might be a two-parter. We don't know yet. Oh, that's if it true. is, sorry. If it's not, I mean... Just know we had to cut a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah, these are good choices. I'm excited for next month's, too. Mm-hmm. That should be and interesting. When I, I sent you the list, that was the one that I really wanted, to. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm glad you chose it. <laughs> well, yeah. this was Book Cord. I'm Thanks Megan. For us talk at you. I'm Denise. And you can find our social on the, um, info Section. for this episode. And... Yeah, we hope you enjoyed this book if you read it, if you didn't and just wanted to hear us talk about it. Maybe you'll go read it because it's super interesting. It is. Make sure to like, rate us five stars, subscribe if that's the platform that you're on. I don't know how some of these work. (laughs) And follow us on Insta. That's where we're hanging out. Or at least Mm -hmm. I'm hanging out. (laughs) I appear sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Thanks for being here. Thanks for letting us talk at you. Bye-bye. Adios.